What is up, everybody? It's Friday. You know what that means. It's another edition of Curveballs and Chair Shots. It is your boy, Brandon Tanguma, not sitting electronically more than six feet away from me or in person in flesh and blood as my lovely and esteemed co-host, Dominic Copson. Dominic's not here today. Tyler's not here today. No co-host. Just me. Little old me. Uh, before the podcast, Dominic and I may have gotten to a little bit of a spat. Nothing too serious. Dominic may have thought we were going to do it a little earlier. I wasn't ready yet. You know, we went back and forth. Dominic said he can't do it. He's watching a movie right now. Who knows what kind of movie? But hopefully he's having a good time. So it's just me. We're going to go on through with the podcast as regularly scheduled. Probably going to be a little bit shorter, but, you know, now I don't have Dominic to cut me off or to tell me we're running long. So who knows how long or how short this podcast is going to be. Our frenemies over at Trapdoor to Hell. Travis did his own podcast solo last week. So if he can do it, I can do it. This will be the third one, I believe, where I've done it all by myself. I checked it. The last one we did was in 2020. So it has been some time. We've been we've been on a roll. We've been doing it good. We only missed one episode, one week, two weeks, I forget. But uh, anyways, Dominic, how are you doing today? He's not, uh, not answering because he's not here. I'm doing okay. Unfortunately, the Jeep, she's uh, her check engine light came on. Been freaking out about that. I thought I fixed it by doing some things. That didn't work. So now I got to take her in, see what the fuck's going on. She seems like she's running fine, but... Obviously, if the check engine light comes on, something must be askewed. Something must be all messed up. So I got to go check it in. And I I do my little deep dives into the YouTube and on forums and stuff. And I was like, oh, you can do this little trick that if you have a Jeep, you turn it on and off three times and it'll do its own little diagnostics and it'll pop up the the check engine light uh, codes that it'll spit back out and you can check them. Of course, apparently uh, 1998s and 99 Jeeps you're not allowed. You can't do that. So the two years that doesn't have that little trick, of course, is one of the is the year that I have, as I do have in 1999. But we're not going to let that deter me, even though I might be a little moody, a little stressed out. Might may or may not have taken out on Dominic a little bit, but you know we're going to track along. Hopefully Dominic is here for uh, the next week's episode. I sent him the invite. So if he has a change of heart if maybe the movie he's watching is shit and he's like, oh, man, fuck this. I'm going to do the podcast instead. He has the, the capabilities and he can join us. But let's just move on. It's been a while since we've done the baseball standings. We've been in full football mode. And personally, I have been in full football mode these past few weeks. Rarely keep I mean, you know, I keep my eye on what's exactly, you know, big news and, you know, highlights and stuff of that nature. But I have not been watching that much baseball also doesn't help the A's are the worst team in the American League are they the worst nope they're still better than national so they're still just the worst team in the American League but I haven't been watching too much baseball to be honest but the the good thing is after two years of COVID and kind of messing up everyone's watch schedule and sports getting all messed up with the scheduling this is kind of usually what happens with my my schedule my watching schedule now if the A's were good, I would be watching A's games all the time and be locked into baseball a lot more. But when the A's are bad, I kind of check out a little bit. But then once October rolls around, I'll lock it the fuck in. I'll watch the playoff games. 
watch the football at the same time. So don't worry. Once in two, three weeks, once the MLB playoffs roll around, we will be locked in with our previews, reviews, everything of that nature. But let's just quickly go over the MLB standings since it's been about three weeks since we last checked in. And the last time we checked in, the uh, earth was the sky was falling for the New York Yankees, but it seems as though they have righted the ship as they are 87 and 56, holding a six game lead over the Toronto Blue Jays. Now it's not 15 like it was two months ago, but they've gone eight and two in their last 10, won their last four games. They are currently playing the Milwaukee Brewers this weekend. So tough matchup for them, but the uh, Toronto Blue Jays face the Baltimore Orioles while the Tampa Bay Rays are facing the Texans. So a little bit easier uh, opponents for the Rays were seven and a half games back. Maybe they can leapfrog the Blue Jays uh, this weekend. But for the most part, it seems as though the Yankees are going to comfortably lock in that AL East standard. And looking at the uh, AL West just quickly, the Astros are just running away with it in terms of the number one overall seed. So I don't think the Yankees are going to catch them. They're going to be locked into that two spot. And I forget now with the the new schedule with the new playoff format. I think that means the, the ask the Yankees have to play a wild card three game series, right? Or is I don't see, this is why I'm all fucked up. Cause you got the three wild cards and then, okay, no, you have the three wild cards and then you have the one worst division winner and they face off against each other in three game sets. So sees one and two get the bye week. Okay. I'm, I got, it. I'm, I'm, I'm locked with the fucking. So, as I said, Toronto, second place, Tampa Bay, third place, the Baltimore Orioles. It was fun while it lasted. They are four and a half games back of the wild card. You know, they still could could make a run. They've gone four and six in their last 10, so it's not exactly the best case scenario, you know, best timing to go four and six. But the Baltimore uh, Orioles are still a really talented team, and it, it's my, this, they weren't expected to do much this year, so they've definitely overachieved in that case, but Next year, they will be a team to look out for, and they should have a a fun run in them. All right, let's move over to the AL Central. While the Cleveland Guardians holding a four-game lead over the White Sox, uh, Guardians 77-66, White Sox 74-71. and uh, Since last time we talked about it, Tony La Russa has stepped away because of some sort of uh, health issue, I believe. I think it's something with his heart, not 100% sure, but... Uh, he stepped away, and since then, the White Sox have have played better, not exactly lighting the world on fire, but the uh, White Sox, uh, you know, six and four in the last 10, so they, they've been playing much better. I mean, they're above three games above 500. Uh, I mean, six and a half game backs of the wild card, four back of the division, so it, it's going to come down to this division and see if the, the Guardians can kind of hold serve. They've gone eight and two in their last 10, so they've, they're playing really well right now, so it's going to be hard for the White Sox to keep up. Sucks for my prediction is I thought the White Sox were going to make it to the World Series, but that doesn't seem like it's going to be the case this year. Uh, Minnesota, Kansas City, Detroit, they are all just down there at the bottom. Who really gives a shit? Am I right? So moving over to the AL West, as I said earlier, Houston just absolutely dominant so far, 94 and 50, 13 games up on the Seattle uh, not the Seahawks, but the Mariners. 
Uh, see, I'm paying attention, but uh, Houston's playing the A's right now. Jordan Alvarez has hit three home runs in his first three at bats. So he is absolutely, I mean, my MVP prediction, he's not going to win it, but he's have, I think still a good call by your boy. He's having a really good season and uh, Houston. I mean, they're really dangerous. I know once we get to the playoffs, we'll kind of lock it in and get a, a full breakdown and a full prediction on who we think is going to, uh, Make it to the make it to the World Series, and I think the Astros are right there. I mean, they're the best team in American League by uh, records wise, and their their team shows that. I mean, they have a really strong lineup. Yeah, might not have Carlos Correa and George Springer anymore, but they they filled it right in with uh, Pena. And I'm not going to pretend like I remember who exactly is in the outfield for the Astros, but goddamn it, they're they're still good. And Justin Verlander is doing his thing. Doesn't matter how old he is, he's going to continue to shove. And uh, yeah, Astros are, are doing the thing. Seattle, they continue to uh, to impress. They've played well as of late. Not going to make it to the uh, well, or not going to make it to the division. Obviously, 13, 13 games back, but they do hold a wild card spot. Only a game over. Uh, I think is the Tampa Bay. So Tampa Bay has the third seed in the wild card spot. So. Seattle has a game over them, only a half game back of the Toronto Blue Jays, I believe. Yeah, because Toronto is 82 and 63, while Seattle is 80 and 62. So, however, that mass shapes up. So, Seattle has a two spot in the wild card, while Tampa Bay has a three seed. Uh, Seattle, hopefully, they can finally break that 20 plus year playoff drought. And Seattle desperately needs it. I mean, they're. Yes, they've had the, the Seahawks and uh, even the WNBA team, I think, has been successful a little bit. But Seattle, the, the Mariners, they've had some good teams recently and over the past 20 years. They've, they've had some teams that maybe should have made it talent-wise, but just could not live, live up to the, uh, to the hype. But uh, I'm, I'm rooting for Seattle. Hopefully they at least get in there. Once they get there, I think they definitely are one of those uh, teams that you know could shock some people. They could make it to a run. Uh, you know, I do kind of wonder about their uh, pitching staff. It's not exactly, you know, like the Astros or even, you know, Tampa Bay, Toronto, New York, that kind of has those higher level big name guys. But I mean, as their record shows, they, uh, they get it done. They've, let's see, allowed 526 runs. I mean, compared to the other teams, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. So uh, actually it's, the best outside of the uh, Houston Astros. If we're just going to go based on uh, how many runs they've given up, but uh, they haven't scored as many runs. So 595, which is to be expected. I mean, they got some them good guys over there with the, uh, you know, J Rod show and Ty France and you know other guys over there. Sorry, Mr. X, like uh, the, the reds that they got in the uh, off season, but Seattle should be fine. Uh, Texas, LA, Oakland, how you don't keep moving. They all suck. Uh, the the big thing when it comes to the Angels, obviously, is Shohei. People are debating, should it be Shohei or should it be Aaron Judge to win the MVP? I mean, I get it. Aaron Judge is approaching 60 home runs. I mean, who knows? He might get 60 by the end of this weekend. Um, ice. It's, it's so tough because it's like the NBA thing. Like, LeBron is by far the best player in basketball. He should just get it every year, but sometimes they just kind of divvy it up and go to people who've had, you know, career seasons, you know, Curry got his, you know, um, 
Jokic, Giannis, you know, all those guys, they, they, they quote unquote divvied up and will hand it around when maybe LeBron should win it every year. But Shohei, what he's doing is just absolutely insane. I think we are getting to the point where we're taking it for granted. And it also doesn't help that it's Aaron Judge, New York, big market, loud fan base. They're going to want their guy to win, obviously. And it's not a foregone clue, like, not a foregone conclusion, but it's not like an obvious pick to go to Shohei. I will give Aaron Judge's props. What he's doing has been fantastic. He is almost on board to, to win the Triple Crown. Now, if he wins a Triple Crown, I think he makes a much more stronger case. But, I mean, just looking at what Shohei's doing, pitching and hitting, and you can go back and say, like, oh, what he's, you know, he's doing on the Angels, and the Angels suck. So he can't be that valuable if the Angels are 61 and 82 and eliminated from contention. Okay. I mean, Mike Trout's won it three times in the last decade. I, are we going to take those trophies away from Mike Trout just because he's on a shitty team? So we'll, we'll see. I'm, a, you know, a little biased just because Shohei's in the AL West, but maybe it is. West Coast or you know East Coast bias because people on the East Coast aren't staying up to one o'clock in the morning to watch those LA Angels, you know West Coast games. But still, what Shohei's doing is phenomenal and should be recognized. And I still do believe he should win the American League MVP, even if Aaron Judge breaks the home run record. Now, if he wins a Triple Crown, we we can talk a little bit. But I mean, Shohei, if Shohei were just hitting. Who knows? Maybe he could have won the Triple Crown. But anyways, moving over to the AL East, the uh, the best division in terms of like a race is the New York Mets taking on the Atlanta Braves. The Mets currently have the lead a game up on the Bravos. But over the past couple of weeks, it's been back and forth. The Mets have kind of fallen off while the Braves took the lead. They had it. Uh, the Braves were in Oakland and, you know, took advantage of the A's, beat them, and they had sole possession of the division for a cup of coffee Mets tied them now Mets above by one game. Uh, obviously both these teams going to make the playoffs uh, looks as though all we might even get three teams. So with six teams in total coming out of the East, if you count the AL East with Philadelphia, they are 80 and 64. They have a two game lead up on the third wild card. I guess I'm trying to, yeah, because uh, the third wild card is, the uh, San Diego not Chargers. There's not even a San Diego Charger anymore. The San Diego Padres. But um, yeah, Mets and Braves. I have been on the Braves all year. Even if the Mets have shown good signs, I've always said like, you know, Braves, they're still a fantastic team. They'll be able to, to climb out of the hole. And they were able to climb out of the hole. But also, as I keep saying, kind of beating that drum, the Mets, I think they do have a weaker schedule to finish up the season. And if the Mets are as good as they say they are and they can take advantage of that weekend schedule, I think the Mets will be able to get this one. Let me just check who they're playing right now. So, yeah, as I said, Mets playing against the Pirates this weekend while the Braves are taking on Philly. So those, you know, Atlanta and Philadelphia, it's not going to matter too much of the wildcard standings because it's a nine-game separator between the two. But obviously the Braves are going to want to beat the uh, Atlanta is going to want to beat the Phillies and the Phillies want to beat the beat the Braves. Easy for me to say, but the pirates, I mean, they're a feisty little team, so don't count them out. Don't just say, Oh, the Mets are just automatically going to sweep them in three games and gain a two games or a game up on the Braves. No, not the case, but obviously the Braves or the Mets 
rather, sorry, are in a much better position. And uh, I would not be shocked if we come back here next week and the uh, the leads up to like three games or something like that. It's not going to be a runaway. We're going to probably go into that last weekend of the season and both teams are going to have a, you know, have a shot, whether it's like, you know, two games, three games, one game heading into the weekend. And it's going to come down to that final game. I would not be shocked, but St. Louis Cardinals, my pick for the national league pennant. They have been super strong as of late as they're 84 and 60, a seven and a half game lead up on the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, you know, not too much to say here. It's been a, it was been a back and forth division when we were going over a week by week. But now since we've taken the three week hiatus, the uh, Cardinals have really taken advantage of the uh, Brewers kind of struggling as of late. So uh, as I said, I am high on the Braves or God damn it. I am high on the Cardinals. And the, the big news right now is just our Pujols watch. 700 he's three away he's at 697 uh, so you know three away with three weeks to go i hope he does it uh it's gonna be it'd be a great story and it's not just him you know hitting the three home runs but he's doing them like late in games whether it's him you know pinch hitting gets the one at bat and hits a bomb or he's hitting like clutch late inning home runs you know he's not just doing this in garbage time against you know players you know position players pitching he's doing these in in big time moments and he's one of you know, the third best hitter in the Cardinals right now behind Arnado and Paul Goldschmidt. So, you know, don't just write this off as like a gimmick. You know, a host is just kind of going up there and, you know, hacking away and he doesn't matter. Like he does. He's playing good baseball and Cardinals, when they get to the postseason, I would not be shocked if there's like this big moment. Albert comes in to face a lefty or something and he hits a jack and the place goes crazy. Maybe hits a walk off. Who knows? It'd be a great story in Pujols' last year. But as I said, Milwaukee's 76 and 67. They're seven and a half games back of the uh, division, a game and a half back of the wild card. So they have definitely fallen off recently. As I said, haven't been watching, so I can't like tell too, too much about how they've just fallen off, you know, in terms of the last three weeks. Has it been, it says they're, they're six and four in their last 10. So. Um, they lost yesterday, but so did the Cardinals. So it's not exactly like the you know, Brewers are falling off a cliff r- right now, but it's just been like a slow, gradual decline as the Cardinals just are on a slow, gradual incline. Uh, Chicago Cubs, Cincinnati Reds, sorry, Mr. X and Pittsburgh all eliminated from. Uh, well, I know Cincinnati and Pittsburgh are officially eliminated. I don't know if the car, the Cubs are officially, officially eliminated, but uh been a been a rough season for the old cubbies then in the national league west the only team to clinch a playoff spot thus far is the los angeles dodgers 98 and 44 21 games up on the san diego padres they just continue to chug along i mean no matter what you look at it run differential of plus 318 by far the best in baseball. The closest it seems is the New York Yankees. Take a guess. What do you think the run differential is for the Yankees? As for comparison, the Dodgers are plus three eighteen. So what do you think the Yankees are? Over a hundred behind. They are two hundred and nine. So hundred and nine less run differential compared to the Dodgers. Just absolutely insane. I mean, the Dodgers. 
are, are just quietly having like a fantastic, a historically great season. And it's a little boring because they've won what? 10 out of the last 11 divisions. Like, I don't know what the exact number is, but it's like that last year where the giants won the division. That was the only time in recent memory in recent history that the Dodgers didn't win the division. So just sheer dominance from the Dodgers. And I know this is two years removed, but there, there still probably is a little bit in them that is, you know, angry at the whole Mickey mouse title stuff. So coming out and just, you know, dog walking everybody cruising to a world series, which I'm not saying they will cruise. I mean, we answered the question a couple of weeks ago, I think. And I said that um, the brewer or the, not the brewers, the, uh, the Mets and the, and the Braves, both those teams, I think have a legitimate shot. Now, you know, the Cardinals are my team. They're, they're a scrappy team, but I think if it was going like, like firepower for firepower, the Mets is rotation. If clicking, obviously fantastic. And if Edwin Diaz is locked down, it's a problem. The Braves can bang with anybody. So I, I think the Mets and the Braves in division or in uh, league-wise, in National League-wise, they pose the, the greatest threat. And, you know, American League, Houston, as I said, they're fantastic. Uh, Yankees, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Garrett Cole, if Garrett Cole can show up and perform in the postseason, then yes, the, the Yankees are have a chance. But we've seen without spider tack and Garrett Cole has been very up and down this entire season. So uh, we shall see San Diego. Um, they got a wild card spot. As I said, a game and a half up on the Brewers. So they, they're in a dog fight. I mean, four and six in their last 10, they've lost their last two. So the Padres, even after the Juan Soto trade, I mean, Juan Soto has not been lighting it up. He's not, I mean, Juan Soto overall hasn't had like a Juan Soto season compared to his early years with the nationals. He still, you know, gets on base, gets the walks and all that stuff, but it hasn't been like a a life-changing trade. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't worth it. It absolutely was worth it. Also, uh, Josh Hader has just fallen off a cliff. It seems as though Milwaukee did know something when they uh, traded him away. So, uh, you know, the two big fish that the Padres traded for at the deadline haven't exactly paid out or, you know, played out for them, but... <sighs> Personally, I would much rather see the, the Padres in the postseason compared to Milwaukee just to see what they could do since they didn't do it last year. But I, I just I would love to like go over and see what the schedule is because both of them are in you know very similar situations where well, I mean obviously the Dodgers are a much better team with the uh, Cardinals are, but you know San Francisco, Arizona, Colorado, three pretty bad teams. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Chicago, pretty bad team. So if those, you know, in division games are kind of stacked at the end of the season, then San Diego and Milwaukee can kind of feast on those. But uh, so right now, San Diego's playing uh, the Diamondbacks in Arizona. So a, mu a much easier opponent than, despite being on the road, than playing the New York Yankees at home, which the Brewers are doing right now. So right now I'm giving the edge to the Padres, but it's definitely not a, a foregone conclusion that is going to happen. Before we look ahead to week two, let's go back to Thursday. The Kansas City Chiefs defeat the Los Angeles Chargers 27-24. Really, really fun game. Uh, not a great game. 
I mean, you look at these two teams, you're going to think it's going to be an offensive shootout to just Herbert and Mahomes going back and forth, back and forth, you know, similar to, I think they had shootouts last year and, you know, obviously like the chargers and the Raiders at the end of the year last year, but not the case, despite being 27, 24, which is fairly high scoring, you know, 51 points. Uh, this I would say was a tale of the defenses and the Chargers should have absolutely won the, the chiefs. I think they were the better team, the more complete team, just that the one throw, that one pick six at the goal line, what was it like a you know midway through the fourth quarter, tied up Justin Herbert and uh, Gerald Everett, which the pass was attended to. The game, the play before, he was huffing and puffing. He was calling to get out, but he couldn't because they were running the uh, high tempo and let you know Her, Everett. You know, kind of comes up not lame, but he just didn't have the same vigor that maybe he wanted the uh, the pass catch to have. And the, the corner jumps the route, runs 99 yards, scores a touchdown. And that, that was pretty much it. But shout out to the Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert gets absolutely smacked, ends up uh, busting up his ribs or has some like rib cartilage issues. It came out today. He's day to day. So who knows what he's going to be looking like next week if he does play. But shout out to the the Chargers who trot his ass out there. He sits out for a play, comes back in, down by ten with like two minutes to go. He could he couldn't even like run to get a clear first down. Like he rolls out, it was an easy like three four yards, however long it was, to get the first down. Nobody in sight, but instead he just you know lobs it and throws it away, and that looked like it was painful for him to do. But very next play, fourth and whatever, drops back, throws an absolute fucking dime over the middle, like 30, 40 yards. I don't know how he did that. I said one of the greatest throws I've ever seen. Like not, I mean, the throw itself was phenomenal, but just with the whole rib issue, fourth and whatever, I thought that was just an absolute dime. And biggest play of the game, didn't win the game, but helped out your boy, who despite last week picking the Chiefs, I ended up flipping and went with the Chargers because Tyler, shout out Tyler, he was just all in on the, the Chargers money line and the under, which the under was at 54. And so I did a parlay with the under and the Chiefs plus four, or sorry, the Chargers plus four. And, you know, down by 10, they, this, this shouldn't have happened. I mean, honestly, they should have just taken out Herbert. Yeah. You're down by 10 and who knows you throw it, you throw a touchdown, get the onside kick, but realistically, you're probably not coming back, but God bless the Chargers trotting out their, their golden boy quarterback to, to run them down the field, throws an absolute dot, then follows that up with another fourth down pass to the end zone to Joshua Palmer, which your boy also had an anytime Joshua Palmer touchdown bet. So after a very shaky start to the season, I am almost recouped all of my money back. So yesterday was a good, was a good day for me gambling wise. Unfortunately, overall picks wise, Eh, not so great. Under 500. This is why it's called Dominic's picks and not Brandon's picks. Dominic owns me. He owns Thursday night. He has gotten both Thursday night picks right thus far. And that has been the difference. Dominic, uh, I don't have the overall records, but he is two games up on me. Now, it would have been great if we had Dominic here to go over all the picks, or at least for Thursday, because he is just, he's on fire on Thursday. So, um, so we're going to go down the, the sports book and look at all the numbers, look at all the odds and see what we're feeling. Uh, well, going back to Thursday real quick, Kansas City 
yeah, they won. And I said uh, the Chargers was absolutely the right side to be on. They should have won that game. They deserve to cover, even though probably shouldn't have, but whatever. I mean, Kansas City, I know people might either write it off as, you know, oh, they won, so who cares? But there is a little bit of, and maybe some people are going to be worried that, you know, Travis Kelsey didn't go off, Juju Smith-Schuster didn't go off. But I think this is also plays to the Chargers and how good that defense is. So, I mean, they they absolutely pummeled the Cardinals in week one. And I mean, we'll see this week when they play the Raiders to see if the Cardinals are really that bad, but the, the chiefs are, I, I said it, the chiefs are going to be all right. Maybe they don't win the division, but so far only unbeaten team in the division so far, but I, I think that uh, the chiefs will be fine. Don't know who they play next week, but um, this is just what the chiefs do. Sometimes they'll light it up. They'll look like the best offense in history. Then they, you know, don't light it up like they did this week, but they just still find a way to get it done. So the Chiefs, still good. Chargers always seem to find a way to lose it. So that is what it is. So let's move on to NFL Week 2 preview. Other, It would have been known as Dominic's picks, but uh, Dominic's not here. Maybe he'll type it in. He'll send in his picks. Probably won't. Who knows? So it's uh, just Brandon's picks this week no jingle because no one can do it like dominic so i'm not gonna try i thought maybe week two we could add a nice fancy graphic we put up a nice fancy graphic put everything on there but say lovey we're not gonna have it this week i was so happy excited proud of the graphic but you know that did uh did not happen but anyways let's get on into the week two preview of the nfl first off we got the Carolina Panthers traveling to the Meadowlands to take on the New York football Giants. Giants favored in this one by two. Shocker. Well, maybe not exactly a shocker because Tennessee tends to be the team to overperform when they're underdogs and then let you down when they're favorites. Shout out Saquon Barkley. He has come back from the dead. Seems that when Saquon Barkley is healthy, He's actually a pretty good running back. He just ran all over the Tennessee Titans in that second half and got the the important two-point conversion to take the lead. Uh, Carolina should have beat the Browns in the Baker Bowl, but the defense just absolutely fell apart. So at two points, this is pretty much a pick Um, I'm going to go with the Giants, favored at home. You know, it's two points, so it's not exactly like a big number, but I, uh, I was... The thing is, it, I mean, it's almost very similar to like the, well, maybe not. I was almost going to compare them to the Browns just because the quarterbacks and Jacoby Brissett and Daniel Jones are not that good. But I mean, the, the Browns defense is, is pretty good. Uh, Giants defense is, I think, better than I think what people think of. But uh, I don't know. I don't really love this either way. So, I mean, I'm just going to go with the Giants. Uh, hopefully Saquon can kind of repeat his performance. Definitely not because I have my fantasy team, but uh, it's fun when Saquon. I mean, we're going to get to see Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey on the field against each other. So that's going to be a lot of fun over under set at 43 and a half. Eh, probably would lean the under. I mean, I can see this one being relatively close as a spread, uh, you know, were to uh, reflect. So like, you know, 21, 17, New York. I don't know. I'm not going to go over totals in every single game, but that one just kind of stood out to me. Then we get the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Duval to take on the all elite Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars 
underdogs by three points. I think this one's moved around a little bit. A lot of injury concerns with the Colts. Michael Pittman, uh, questionable. I think he didn't practice Thursday or today. Um, Alec Pierce, their kind of rookie number two guy, he's not going to play. The Jaguars, despite losing against the Commanders, I think they did kind of prove what I thought they were, like in a good way, that they're going to be a scrappy team. They're a lot better than what they were last year. For whatever reason, the Colts have issues going to Jacksonville, very similar to New England and Miami. You know, the Pittman injury definitely does play a factor into this. And the Colts, despite, you know, Carson Wentz isn't on the team anymore, but a lot of that team is still probably very angry about what happened in week 18, where all they had to do was win and they're in and they lose and we're out. But I mean, I like the Jaguars. Give me the give me the Jaguars, division opponent, division rival at home. Give me the Jags plus the points. I do think the Jags, especially with the injuries going on with the Colts right now, the Jags do have a legitimate shot to uh, to win this game. So give me the Jags plus the three. Colts start off 0-2. Not a not a good look, but the division, I mean, nobody in the AFC South won last week. So it's not if they start off 0-2. The records or the statistics say it's not good, but I think the Colts could still figure a way to uh, to win this or to win this division. Uh, then the Miami Dolphins take on the Baltimore Ravens. Both these teams won in week one. Ravens, I mean, both teams won very handily. Dolphins a little more flashier in terms of beating the, excuse me, beating the uh, Patriots at home. Ravens, you know, pummel quote-unquote on paper the Jets but it wasn't exactly you know a flashy beatdown of the Jets Ravens favored by three and a half here at home you know you know how high I am on Lamar you know contract year he's gonna ball out and I wouldn't be shocked if you know going up against the Jets Harbaugh kind of you know didn't want to show all of his cards right away because he knew that he had the Dolphins next up and that was a much more tougher opponent Three and a half. I am a little concerned about the the injuries. You know, J.K. Dalvins is questionable. If he is playing, that is definitely going to help them, uh, help the the Ravens rather. Um, Dolphins. I don't know. I mean, I'm still not a hundred percent sold on the Dolphins. I think that might have been a little bit more of bad Patriots, and the Patriots might not be a very good team this year than the Dolphins exactly uh, lighten it up and. The Dolphins always seem to have the Patriots number in Miami. So another tough one here, but I'm going to go with the Ravens favored three and a half at home. Don't love it. I could definitely see the, the Dolphins lighten it up offensively, but the Ravens defense is healthy this time compared to what they were last year. Where just anyone can just throw and run all over them. So I'll, I'll give it to the Ravens, but I'm not in love with it. This one, another one. I'm not all so much in love with the New England Patriots are home or away favorites two and a half against the Pittsburgh Steelers at formerly Heinz Field. Don't know what it's called now. Who cares? It's always going to be Heinz Field, but I don't know. TJ Watt out for a few weeks with the, a torn peck or something with the peck. If thought, you know, thought it was going to be a really big deal. Seems though he's, he's avoiding surgery. So he's not going to be gone for that long, but still, a pretty substantial injury. He's going to miss this game, obviously. So, I mean, the Steelers should have lost that game 
to the the Bengals. Sorry, Mister X. I mean, so many times they had the Bengals had so many times that they should have, could have won that game, and the Steelers were lucky to walk away victorious in that one. Now, on the other hand, Patriots never laid a shot at winning. So this line does kind of make question, like makes me wonder why are the Patriots favored? Which kind of makes me want to go with the Patriots. Like what, like why are the books favoring the Patriots when they just laid an absolute egg the week before Steelers at home? I mean, that offense just, and with Najee questionable, I think Najee, Najee Harris seems like he is going to play, but even he was healthy last week that the Bengals do have a pretty good, you know, defensive front. So I'm not going to put too much stock into that in terms of what Najee was unable to do last week, but I think it's bait, but I'm going to take it. Give the Steelers plus the points at home. Uh, Over-unders 40 and a half. You know, I don't like taking unders, but I can see this one being an ugly one, so I guess give me the under in that one as well. The juice is favored towards the under at minus 114, so... Yeah, I, I I don't like this game either. But if you gotta make a pick, which that's what we're here for, is the uh, the Steelers plus the points at home. Another ugly one: the New York Football Jets travel to Cleveland with a new center for midfield logo with Brownie Brownie the the elf. No more helmet. Uh, the Jets take on the Browns. Browns favorite six and a half. Big number. Uh, Jets I think are banged up as well. This one, even a lower total, 39 and a half. I'm, I'm going to give me the Jets. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say the Jets have a big chance of winning this game, but I just don't have that much faith in either offense to really light it up. I, you know, I don't have faith in the Browns offense to get out to that big of a lead. Now, six and a half, so all we need is a touchdown, but the, uh, the, the Jets have some talented players now the only problem is their quarterback is joe flacco and joe flacco just bumbling around last week against the ravens and as i said the browns i think have a pretty good defense so they they probably will give the jets fits this is a a big number and and uh, i would much rather be like a bigger number if i'm taking the jets and i think it's too big of a number to take the the browns at six and a half but just i mean give me the jets and the points here not, 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 don't love it, but I feel like I'm saying that for every single pick here. Uh, we get an A or NFC South uh, battle with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the New Orleans Saints. The Bucks and the Saints both won last week. The uh, Bucks just domp dominated, could be a word you can say for the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I, th- I think that was more bad Cowboys than good Buccaneers because there are so many times where the Buccaneers had, they were knocking on the door. And they ended up taking field goals. Now the Dallas defense is good. I, I do like the Dallas defense. I mean, shout out to them. They kept them close pretty much the, I mean, the entire game until the, you know, they kind of ran away with it at the end, but the, the Buccaneers should have been a little bit better, especially with their core guys pretty much healthy. But now come to week two, a lot of those guys are banged up. Chris Godwin's out with a hamstring injury. Now Mike Evans got a knee. Uh, I think Julio's banged up and Leonard Fournette. I think everybody besides Chris Godwin should be able to play in this game, but you, you just never know what those types of injuries this early in the season. And the Saints, they sh- uh, should have lost to the Falcons, to be honest, but 
just like the Chargers, Falcons are going to Falcon and find a way to lose, especially at home. Saints uh, seem to have the Buccaneers number a lot. Now, Tampa Bay is more successful with the Tom Brady is more. They're more successful in New Orleans than they are in Tampa Bay when they face the Saints, which is a little weird, but there's something to keep an eye on. But the Saints do have their number. Saints are underdogs in this one at two and a half. Homer pick, but you know, I got to take the Saints, give them the points, give me the Saints, famous Jameis, eating W's. Um, you know, I, I think this one's going to be more of a tell on how these teams are. Like, I didn't want to, I'm not, I'm not jumping to really any conclusions after week one, but Bucks, Saints, division matchup. I think. Both of those week ones were kind of outliers in terms of the teams they're facing with the Bucks or with the uh, Cowboys and the uh, Falcons. So, I mean, those two teams aren't exactly going to light it up, and especially that, like, if the Cowboys offense like showed up, I would probably put more stock in that, but they didn't. So, give me the Saints and uh, who that. Then we get the Washington Commanders traveling up north to Detroit to take on the Lions, and for the first time in 24 games, God bless them, MCDC and the Detroit Lions are favored by one and a half at home. I I love the Lions, hard knocks, all that good fun stuff. They put up a hell of a fight against the the Eagles with the backdoor cover. Commanders were down to the Jaguars, came back at home to get the win and the cover. This one, this one's another interesting one. It's not, you know, it's not a sexy matchup by any means, but you know, these two teams have some have talented players on both sides of the ball. Mm. I, I lean towards the commanders, but I, I think I think the Lions do get it done here. Giving the Lions a game, you know, point and a half, pretty much a pick them, but I, I I don't love it. But when I don't love it, that usually means it's going to pan out well. So given the Lions, minus one and a half, they're favored for a reason, even though usually you get like three points just for the home field advantage. So in, in terms of like a neutral site, that means the commanders will be favored. But I don't give a shit. Lions are going to win against the commanders. They're going to get their first win of the season two weeks in. It's a new record for the Lions. Then the Atlanta Falcons take on the Los Angeles Rams in SoFi Stadium. The Rams are favored by 10 and a half. Big, big number here. Uh, the Rams disappointed most, including myself, on thir- last Thursday night against the Bills. But as I said, I think that's more based on the Bills being really, really good than the Rams being a complete dumpster fire. You know, also opening night, rings, you know, not ring ceremony, but you know, banners, Super Bowl champions. They could be a little bit of a you get lost in the headlights a little bit with that game. So you know, they got they got their cage shook. Come back, long week, take on the Falcons, lay a beat down on them, get your mind right. I think they're gonna try to get Allen Robinson involved more when he only had one catch last week. But ten and a half is a lot. And I would you know, I could see the Rams jumping out to a you know 14 point lead, 13 point lead in the fourth quarter, and the, the Falcons sneak through the back door. But I don't like taking this these many points, but give me the Rams minus 10 and a half. I think the Rams make a statement and they come out and prove that they are not, you know, they're not that team last week. They are going to come out and put a beat down 
on the birds. 47 is the point total. Give me the over. Obviously carried more by the Rams, but give me the over. Falcons, I mean, they can hang a little bit. The, the Their Rams defense, I think, is a little bit of a question mark. I have, uh, so I, I like the Rams to put a smack down on the, uh, the old Falcons. Staying in the NFC West as the Seattle Seagulls traveling to San Francisco or Santa Clara to take on the 49ers. This one is another big number at nine in favor of the 49ers. The uh, the Seahawks were able to do it, upset the Broncos and beat Russell Wilson in his homecoming. But the, the Seahawks, I mean, they should have not only lost that game, but they should have got blown out because they did not do anything that second half. Two fumbles at the goal line. You know, Hackett, just absolute fucking idiot at the end of the game with you know, three timeouts in your back pocket. Don't use one. Let the clock run down. And you have, you know, we've all seen it. You have a much greater shot of getting five yards than kicking a 64, 62 yard field goal, whatever the hell it was. So Seahawks, I mean, still catching nine points here. And Trey Lance, I do wonder what he, what he is. I mean, he's only played three games, so it's hard to, you know, ask of too much for him and like, be like, Oh, he's going to do, you know, he's going to either light it up or he's going to just continue to fall off. So there is uh, supposed to be rain in the Bay area this week. Nothing compared to what Chicago was like last week. Um, so I, I could see this being like a tightly contested game and the sea. I think it's a, the Seahawks seem to like always have the 49ers number for whatever reason now. They don't have Russell. They have Geno Smith now, but I'm going to, I'm going to take the Seahawks on the points here. I just see this as being like a division slugfest. I could see the 49ers kind of like perpetually having like a seven, 10 point lead the entire game where it's not like particularly a close game, but the Seahawks just kind of hang around and able to cover the nine points. Uh, so yeah. And I do think Trey Lance will be fine. Like listening to all the chatter, and people like, oh, you know, how long do you wait to bring in Jimmy? I think the 49ers and, you know, Kyle Shanahan are locked in with Trey Lance. And despite, you know, anything, if they go 0-5 and Trey Lance is like five touchdowns compared to like 15 interceptions, then maybe you go to Jimmy. Or then I think you do go to Jimmy. But outside of that, I think the 49ers are going to ride with Trey Lance. Uh, stand on the West Coast. Stayed in the NFC West, kind of, with the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. Raiders favored by five and a half points. Both these teams looking for a bounce back win. Vegas losing to the Chargers while the Cardinals got absolutely slaughtered against the Chiefs. Raiders probably should have, should have, maybe not should have won the game, but they had a chance to win the game. The Cardinals never really had a chance to win their games. The the five and a half is quite a big margin, which maybe shows uh, Vegas not having a lot of faith in the Cardinals. And with DeAndre Hopkins out, um, I think there's another injury. I forget. Um, oh who's the, the second guy in Arizona? Rondell Moore. I think Rondell Moore is dealing with an injury. So it's going to be like Hollywood Brown and, Whoever else they got going on over there. I mean, Zach Ertz is the tight end, but I don't know who the other second wide receiver would be. Five and a half is a lot, but 
the Raiders. Give me the Raiders in the in the five and a half. It's it's a big number, but um, as I said, I'm not going to try to jump to conclusions. But the Cardinals did not look good last week, and I know the Chiefs, but big yikes on the Cardinals front. Uh, so yeah, give me the give me the Raiders five and a half. Bam, Raider Nation. All right, Mister X, we got the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Both of these teams looking for a bounce back win in Week Two. As I said, car, uh, the Bengals had so many opportunities. Coulda, shoulda, woulda beat the Steelers at home. Dallas Cowboys offense look inept. We got uh, Mike McCarthy blaming Kellen Moore. Dak Prescott broke his or hurt his thumb, so he's out for a couple weeks. So it is going to be not the Ben DiNucci show. But it's going to be the Cooper Rush show. Uh, But Bengals favored by seven points on the road in Jerry World. Once again, a lot of points, but give me the Bengals. I think the Bengals are going to come out angry. Joe Burrow isn't going to throw four interceptions again. Yes, that Cowboys defense is good. Now, T. Higgins, I don't know what his status is with the concussion, but Tyler Boyd can just slide out in there, and Joe Mixon's great. We saw what Leonard Fournette was doing against the uh, the Bengal or against the Cowboys last week, so I think Joe Mixon can feast. Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, they're going to do their thing. It's more the fact I just do not like the Cowboys. The Cowboys were terrible last week, and now you put in the Cooper Rush, they're going to be even worse. And people, I think, forget like how good the Bengals are. There is the question mark of that offensive line. I mean, I know the, the Steelers got Watt and they got a good front, but all offseason, it was all hype about it. they fortified that offensive line. They're good. Joe Burrow's going to be able to stay in the pocket. He's going to keep standing. That didn't happen last week. Now, new offensive line, you know, maybe some bumps in the road. Maybe they find it here. But give me the Bengals, minus seven. I think the, the Bengals show out, beat them down. Uh, overrunners 42, so I think that also kind of favors the Bengals in terms of like a big margin of victory, like, you know, 20, 28 to, you know, 10, something like that. I would not be shocked if that is the uh, final score for the Bengals who day then the final Sunday afternoon game with the Houston Texans taking on the Denver Broncos Russell Wilson Broncos country let's ride minus 10 point favorites at mile high Russell making his home debut Texans tied with the uh, Indianapolis Colts last week so they haven't won a game so far but they haven't lost a game so far either. So, you know, positives, positives. 10 points is a lot. I would love for this to kind of sneak up to 10 and a half just to, and I would jump on that all day. Don't want to get a push, obviously. But I, I said it, the Texans are a scrappy team. And I didn't think they were going to be like out to a 20 to three lead against the Colts last week. But still, um, Texans are, you know, they're going to hang around now. Can, can they? Keep within 10. I think they will. Now the Broncos could be angry, just like the Rams, and sh- try to just shove it down the Falcon or shove it down the Texans' throats. But I, I, you know, I think the Texans might be a little bit better on the road than than the Falcons. Might be a little bit hot take. I know comparing the Texans to the Falcons, 
That's what you, the kind of analysis you come here for. But give me the Texans plus the 10. Dougie Mills. Let's ride. Then the Chicago Bears take on the Green Bay Packers in an NFC North battle on Sunday Night Football. The Bears beat the 49ers in the slop while the Packers get absolutely dogged by the Vikings as we told you they were going to. The Packers favored by 10 at home in Lambeau against the Bears. Hey, Siri, what's the weather going to be like on Sunday in Green Bay, Wisconsin? Looks like it will be parking cloudy in Green Bay. It says it's going to be 81 degrees, so it's going to be fine. We don't got to worry about the you know wind or rain or whatever the hell goes on there in Green Bay. Now, I kind of you know dogged on the Packers a little bit last week. Now, Aaron Rodgers, slow start last week or last year against the Saints, slow start last week against the Vikings. But as he said last year, he owns the Bears. I think he comes out, owns the Bears again, absolutely puts his ayahuasca nuts on the table and shoves them down the Bears' throats. Give me the Packers minus the 10. They got this. Now, I think there's a prop bet out there where Justin Fields is his over-under a touchdown, passing touchdown total is only a half. Give me that. I think the Bears can, you know, get lucky, sneak one in the end zone, throw one to Darno Mooney. So there you go, a little prop bet on the side. Now, we complained last week that there was not a, a doubleheader Monday Night Football game, but we get it on week two for whatever reason. I, I don't know why, but here we are. We got a doubleheader in... Both games are on the West Coast, not on the uh, on the East Coast, rather not on the West Coast. So they don't do the, you know, the one, you know, non West Coast game early and they do the West Coast game late. But uh, game one is at 415 West Coast, 715 Eastern. Do the math for all you other time zones. Uh, Tennessee Titans take on the Buffalo Bills. Bills favored by 10 points here. Uh Another big, big number here on the books. And I've kind of gone back and forth saying, oh, you know, Texans will cover the 10 while the Packers are going to beat down the, and get the 10 and blah, 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 blah. Now, I kept hyping up the Bills. I say the Bills are as good as advertised. But I also said the Titans are a team that will disappoint you when favored, but will surprise you when underdogs. So I'm going to keep with that trend, and I will go with the Titans to cover the 10 points, keep it close. Derrick Henry, I I mean, he was okay. I mean, was not Derrick Henry of last year, but maybe he kind of comes back into form a little bit. That Bills front, that Bills defense is really good. I would love to see Robert Woods be much more involved compared to what he was last week. So I don't love it, but I'm not going to contradict myself after what I said earlier in the game and early in the show. Tennessee. Getting the 10 points. Give it to me. I'll keep it close. Maybe we win. Maybe. Who knows? Probably not. But anyways, then we get the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Philadelphia Eagles at 530 West Coast, 830 East Coast time. The Vikings underdogs by this one. Uh, the Eagles favored by two at home at uh, Lincoln Financial Field. I think that's what it's called. I don't know. Who cares about the corporate names? But the Eagles beat the uh, the Lions, let the Lions sneak in the back door for the cover, but the Vikings absolutely trounced the Packers last week, as I said. I'm going to continue riding the Vikings bandwagon. 
Um, hopefully, hey, Siri, what's the weather going to be like in Philadelphia on Monday? And Siri doesn't want to answer my question, so fuck her, Siri. But I think the weather should be fine, uh, which will open up the offense. I think Kirk Cousins, uh, Justin Jefferson, they're going to continue to go off. They're going to be fine. Over under set at 50 and a half. Give me the give me the over in that one. I think this one could be a fun shootout between the Vikings and the Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts is fantastic. He's gonna have a good year. I mean, hell, I mean the Eagles are my NFC pick. Vikings are kind of my surprise Super Bowl sleeper. I think this is a fantastic matchup. I'm much more intrigued to watch this game than the uh, first game. But I mean, both games are two playoff contenders. But I'm gonna continue to ride the Vikings bandwagon, even though I do like both these teams. I think the Vikings win this game outright, but I will more than gladly take the two points. Now, moving over to a game on Thursday that's not so sexy, but it's a Thursday game. We're all going to watch it. Uh, Thursday night football. This is where we get we should get Dominic's pick on because he is absolutely on fire. 2-0 and so far on the Thursday night games, but we got an AFC North battle between the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. The Browns favored by three, a much more closer matchup compared to uh, what the Browns are looking at against the Panthers and a bigger matchup than what the, uh, right? What are the Browns favored against the Panthers? That was the first game we looked at, correct? No, they're not even playing the Panthers. You fucking idiot. They're playing the Jets. So six and a half against the Jets, three against the Steelers. Um, I don't know. I, I, obviously, these Thursday games got taken with a grain of salt because of injuries and how the team looks the week before. But you know, just at face value, give me the Steelers. I think the Steelers. Hopefully, Najee stays healthy, and you know they can run against the the Browns and the defense won't have T.J. Watt, but I think the defense can kind of keep it. Keep a Jacoby Brissett and that offense kind of under wraps and keep it close enough to where Mason Rudolph can not fuck it up. But that's asking a lot for Mason Rudolph not to fuck it up. So uh, that is it for Brandon's picks, I guess. But uh, thank you. That is, well, why am I saying thank you like I'm in the goddamn show? We're not in the show because we've got to go to the fan mail segment, otherwise known as um, Mr. X and Friends Questions of the Week. But Unfortunately, Mr. X has not sent in questions as this time we've been doing. We used to be doing them Sunday or Saturday mornings. And now we do them Friday night. Kind of you know, messing up the time schedule, Mr. X. I'm sorry, uh, but we're, we're, we're going to do it. If you uh, have a question via Twitter and or Instagram, Curveballs and CS. If you want to send in via email, CS at gmail.com. All the pertinent information is down in the description down below. So let's uh, go over to the Instagram first as we got old Johnny Roca asking us a question. He's got three this week. Uh, question one, he has a screenshot of uh, Fox, Fox NFL Fox, and this one says, uh, which of the NFC East teams is most likely to go two and O? Oh? So going over the books, so if you're not keeping track, the Eagles – Giants and Commanders, all two or all one last week. So the Giants face the Panthers. The Eagles are facing who the fuck are the Eagles facing? I am just all up in shambles. 
Are the Eagles? Do we even go over? We didn't even go over the Eagles. Is that one not even on the books? What the hell's going on here? I am just very confused right now. Oh, yeah. They're fuck you fucking idiot. We just went over. They're facing the Eagles or they're facing the Vikings. No. <clears throat> it, it also says it uh, on the graphic. You fucking numpty. But okay. So the Eagles are facing the Vikings, New York facing the Panthers, Commanders facing the Lions. I think the most likely one, well, the, be- the best team in this scenario is the Eagles, but they also have the hardest matchup against the Vikings. They're at home. Give them a little bit. Um, Out of the picks, I only did pick, I mean, I didn't pick the Eagles to win. So uh, between the Commanders and the Giants, I'm going to give it to the Giants. I don't know. I said the, no, I said fuck it, the Lions. So the only team I did pick to win is the Giants. See what happens with Dominic is in here. I am a complete mess. I have to talk all the time. I can't gather my thoughts. I got to just have one fluid, straight thing of consciousness. So, as I said earlier, obviously, <clears throat> the Giants out of the three, because they are the only ones I picked. Then, September 17th is National Batman Day. Who, in your opinion, was the best Batman? In which Batman movies was your favorite Batman movie? Anyways, uh, not the biggest Batman fan in the world. So, I mean, I'm just going to go with like the the chalky answers. So I'm just going to go with like, uh, I mean, favorite Batman. Well, you know, favorite Batman, I'll go with Adam West. Shout out Adam West. R.I.P. T's and P's. Uh, and then favorite Batman movie, I'll just go with like, you know, The Dark Knight. You know, just the classic the classic answer that everyone's going to give you. Uh, but f- f- I'm sorry, not giving you the best answer. I'm not the biggest Batman guy. I don't even think Dominic is a big Batman guy either. So unfortunately, can't uh, give you the most in-depth of answer there, J-Row. But this one we can give an in-depth question or answer on. September 18th is National Cheeseburger Day. Where is your favorite place to get a cheeseburger? And what do you like inside the cheeseburger? So, favorite place to get a cheeseburger. Hmm. Well, you know, I'm a fat boy. All the fast food places are are fine. I'm not exactly like a super picky eater. So, like, all the fast food places that, like, do cheeseburgers, I'll eat them. Um, You know, as a California person, you're obligated to say in and out But if I had a pick to, like, have one for the rest of my life, I'm going with five guys. I really do like five guys. Uh, it's kind of, you know, more expensive, a little bit, you know, more time consuming or I mean, not exactly. If you just order on the app, I think it's a quick and simple process. So I'm going go with uh, five guys after, of course, is Dominic's fantastic grilling. Dominic makes great burgers on the grill, even though I don't even know if he's ever really made me a burger. He probably has, but mostly it's like hot dogs and, you know, flank steak and chicken and stuff like that. But, uh, what do you like on the cheeseburger? He said inside your cheeseburger, you know, maybe like a nice infusion of like cheese sauce. Just put the cheese in the burger, but I know what you mean, Jairo. Um, you know, so this kind of goes to like the five guys order. Cause you just order your toppings. Um, you know, standard ketchup, uh, mustard. Maybe if I'm feeling frisky, throw some mayo, mayo down there. Uh, but, you know, ketchup, I'll just go with my five guys order. Uh, mustard, ketchup, 
onions, raw or cooked or grilled. That can go either which way. Lettuce, pickles. Yeah, that's probably where I'd go. Lettuce, so basically, you know, lettuce, onions, pickles, and then whatever sauce is like they're going to put on it. I'm, I'm not going to go out there and like, you know, go with like barbecue sauce unless it's like a Western burger with like onion rings and stuff like that. But if you have like a house sauce or whatever the sauce is you put on the burger, I'll take that with like lettuce, onions, and uh, pickles. Not a tomato guy. So if, if I order a burger, I'll always say no tomatoes. If I forget, Maybe I'll eat it. Maybe I won't. Who knows? So thank you, j for those ones. Moving on to the other one, uh, Big Daddy Guma. Unfortunately, Dominic is not here to, uh, in person, listen to your apologies. But I'll read it anyway, so hopefully Dominic listens to this one. So podcast question. I am back. That is Josh talking, not me. Uh, I am back. And sorry, Dominic, I didn't mean to upset you two weeks ago. I saw the Curveballs and Share Shots tweet. And I wanted to get more information on how you guys are feeling about those two situations. If you're not paying attention, if you don't remember, that would be the Braun Strowman and uh, I forget. Now I already. Oh wait, a minute. I can just scroll up and see the questions he sent me. After I definitely don't go through all these thirst traps that we sent each other on Instagram. Oh, so one was Braun Strowman, and then the other one was Russell. Wilson. Okay, I'm talking about us not getting sponsored, but Russell Wilson can get $245 million or whatever. But now, on to the questions. With the news after last week's suspension in AEW, some other news came out of the Young Bucks inquiring about heading to WWE. What are your guys' thoughts on this situation? So, yes, the allegedly, the Young Bucks came out and tried to get some feelers put out there to see if there would be any interest in WWE, if they would want to bring them in. Uh, There's been other conflicting reports that the Young Bucks have said that's not the case, either which way. Um, I don't really think it changes my, well, not, not opinion on like the matter, but it would be interesting to see whether the Young Bucks would go there. I think the Young Bucks have a better shot of going to WWE than Kenny. Now, I know the question was just more the Young Bucks, but if it was like the Elite, I think Kenny would be much more likely to stay just because the Young Bucks do have that history of, you know, the Hardys and like Shawn Michaels and that elk to where they kind of idolize WWE. Now, Kenny, I don't really, I mean, he's a very private guy, so I don't know really too much about his personal life, but I don't see him as that type of guy to like have that strong connection to WWE, even though as a kid, he probably did watch it. He probably has like more of a connection to, you know, like the Japanese wrestling and the Canadian stampede wrestling and stuff like that. So, um, and if the, I mean, the young, we forget that before AEW was a thing, all those guys, or at least like the elite had possible deals in place to go to WWE. So it's not like the, WWE weren't interested in bringing them in. Now it's, you know, after the pandemic, the financial structure of WWE corporate-wise has kind of changed a little bit. Triple H is in charge now, not Vince. I would assume Triple H is more open to bringing in the Bucks than Vince would have, but Vince was open to bringing them in apparently. So um, it would definitely be interesting if we get Cody, I mean, even just all of them, Cody, the Bucks, and Kenny, to go to WWE and now all the original EVPs are gone. And 
yes, talent wise, that would be like not a good look, but also just like the the foundation of AEW just up and up leaving. Like, what the hell? Now everyone wants to compare to the Monday Night Wars, but what those guys mean to that company is different than Hall and Nash jumping over. It would be like if there was a war in the mid eighties and we get, you know, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Roddy Piper, and you know, whoever else you want to say, or, you know, uh, I, Oh my God. I keep wanting to say Nick Bockwinkle, but I know it's not Nick Bockwinkle. Jesus Christ. Now at the derail, the, uh, the whole pot, the whole podcast, just to, see who i am thinking of and this is why we like having dominic here because he can uh talk while i look up paul orndorff there we go obviously uh so yeah even though paul orndorff hulk hogan and roddy piper jump ship to wwr to jim crockett or whatever even though roddy piper had jim crockett ties but anyways for you know it's not a perfect analogy but you get where i'm getting like the very foundation of like where the company stood at or like if bruno san martino and whatever were to jump ship now it's not a perfect analogy because blah 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 but you get it so i don't think they're going to wwe the the bucks will stay and i think they're under contract for a little bit so it's not like they can go anyways but um it would definitely be a story if they were to do that and then secondly he asks, how is your guys' fantasy teams looking after week one? Smiley face. Well, Josh, thank you for asking. I went, th- I guess, technically 3-0. and We got the uh, the Homer League that we do where pretty much we just play as one team, and we have all the players on that one team on our side. So I am playing as the New Orleans Saints. The Saints beat the Falcons, and that doesn't exactly translate to a win, but uh, I beat J-Row in who was the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then this week is kind of a fun matchup where I don't know exactly who I'm playing, but I'm as the saints, I am playing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it'd be funny to see how the fantasy versus real life matchups. I I think we did have a couple in the league. I should probably go back and see um, if every team that won in real life won in the, uh, the fantasy battle, but if, or this is also in the sleeper app or, I'm not exactly uh, good at moving or, you know, utilizing it and seeing. Well, there's also been some talks and shit going on, but see, this is, oh, here we go. Move back to week one. All right. So, uh, do, do, do. Oh, well, it also doesn't help that I think some of the players aren't keeping up as much as they should, you know, in terms of moving and stuff, but the Buccaneers beat the Cowboys pretty decisively. So I don't think if they, if they uh, kept up, it would have been all that close. But uh, we also have the Cleveland Browns narrowly beating, kind of narrowly beating the Carolina Panthers. So that one's fun. Uh, the 49ers, ooh, barely like 74 to 74.25, losing to the Bears. Um, the Rams getting destroyed by the Bills. The Chiefs getting destroyed by the Cardinals. Yeah, not destroyed, destroyed, but you know, close enough. Uh, the Steelers losing or beating, sorry, the the Bengals. Uh, the Broncos beating, or well, this person didn't really play, so that doesn't count. And then 
the Vikings really beating up on the Packers. But once again, I don't know if this person really uh, started. Yeah, they didn't start a kicker, defensive lineman, linebacker, DB, or the DB. So uh, I, who knows what's going on in this. Yeah, Johnny's out here telling people you got to get your shit together. Amen, Johnny, you tell them. But in the regularly scheduled leagues, uh, I did I did pretty well. Uh, the CTE league, which is kind of the one that I not care most about, but I kind of know what I'm getting into. So I kind of have a better feel of my team. Uh, highest scoring team of the week. And that is off the back with my quarterback, which is the most important position in the league, having Matthew Stafford. He did not do very well, but I had Justin Jefferson and uh, Saquon Barkley, who are each the best player at their position. So they definitely helped me out there. Sorry, Jared. He had the third best team of the week, but he faced the number one team. And that's just, unfortunately, that's fantasy football for you. You can have an absolutely fantastic week, but the other player can be better than you. And even though it has no, no bearings on the actual game and how your players made, but uh, the other one in the Johnny Roca JCU league, I thought I tied with Jimmy Minkle thinking I lost because the way the tiebreaker is, it's the quarterback points. And I have Lamar who had an okay game, but he had Patrick Mahomes who fucking threw five touchdowns and went off. So like, Oh crap. I lost. Okay. Whatever. I mean, it sucked because I felt like I had a better overall team just because like all my players scored like 10 plus points while Jimmy's team pretty much was carried by Patrick Mahomes. But then, I look up the next day, turns out I won, I guess, of like stack corrections or something. I did have the Broncos defense playing on Monday night. So maybe that was the reason why there was some like late things. I don't know. I'll take the win. I do have a little bit of injuries going on this week with Najee Harris and Alvin Kamara, but for the most part, I'm feeling pretty good. I am facing uh, Johnny Roca this week. He started off with Justin Herbert, so he's got a 31-point edge on me right now, but... It's going to be a fun week playing J-Row in one league and playing Hardy, frenemy, over at Trapdoor to Hell in the other league, in the CTE league. So it uh, should be a fun week of fantasy football. I do have Los Padres this weekend, but there's supposed to be rain. So if the games get canceled, I can actually watch a full Sunday, seven hours of uncommercial football because that's how the saying goes. It's not, but that's how it goes now. But... Uh, quickly, let's just go over to the AEW Dynamite recap. Uh, John Moxley takes on... Uh, oh my gosh, Jesus Christ. Uh, That's what happens when I don't have the actual names in front of me, because who cares? He faces Sammy Guevara. Uh, John Moxley beats Guevara after some interference. I thought it was a really good match. Smart to have this one open up the show, just because it was not a foregone conclusion, but... The, the odds were definitely in Moxley's favor to get to the win. Uh, MJF then cuts a promo and he introduces the firm. He says they're his uh, faction. I forget exactly what it is. A stable. I think it's a stable on retainer. Uh, so he is loosely associated. I mean, he is associated with Stokely Hathaway, but if he doesn't need them, they're not going to be with him. So I thought they, I was banging the drum and saying I wanted that loophole cleared up on why they helped him at all out they did that it made sense from njf's point of view uh mjf's promo was was fine i think he's in a bit little bit of a rough spot right now just because he is not in a feud right now he's just kind of holding serve until the aw champion is crowned next week so 
you know, last week he had a lot to talk about this week. Not so much. I mean, it's still like entertaining and stuff, but the crowd was cheering for him and MJF was trying to get him to boo him, but it wasn't working. And I don't know if you can ever like go back to that point where MJF was clearly the most hated person wrestling. Now, I think that promo that he cut, like, I don't know if he never cut that promo before he left and he just like after double nothing left and then he came back to uh, all out. Honestly, I think we might still have the same reaction just because he's a big star, big moment coming back. Now, maybe once he is there every single week getting into the flow of things, then he starts getting booed more often. But especially with AEW and they're like, you know, doing the towns and there's every single time they're in a new city where they're seeing MJF for maybe the first time and the first time in a long time or since he came back, I think we're going to get they're going to have this problem for a while. And I loved how MJF was such a strong heel and now that isn't the case so far in terms of how the crowds react to him he's still a very strong heel in terms of his persona but the crowds are starting to like him moving on to jungle boy where he faces jay lethal in his open challenge or jungle boy's open challenge open whatever uh, he beats him you know good match i think jungle boy is in kind of a weird spot right now um his babyface promos aren't exactly like super duper babyface, especially like the way you think Jungle Boy should be, where he's like this. You don't want him to be a, a ho hum, oh shucks me type of guy, but just kind of the way he carries himself and the way he's kind of talking, I think hasn't exactly been the best look for him. Like, I mean, the people love his song. He he's a good wrestler. The, the promos have always needed to work, so maybe they can kind of fine-tune that a little bit more, but I'm just a little worried about his instincts in terms of what he says on the mic because, I mean, we have, like, the, that cauliflowered ear line he talked about. Um, he said, like, you know, just going really heavy in one, like, talking about Christian's divorce, and, like, I get it. It was a very heavy angle, and they said, like, just... I don't know. I think Jungle Boy shouldn't stoop to that level if you're doing that in a heel. And yeah, it's kind of I'm kind of rambling on, but whatever. Powerhouse Hobbs has a squash match. Good for him. Nobody hurts. So we can ask for where the fuck is Ricky Starks and why did he lose? And I do not know. Uh, The AEW World Tag Titles were on the line as Lucha Bros take on. Sorry, the Lucha Brothers take on Swerve in our glory. Uh, Swerve and Lee get the win. You know, really good match. Lucha, Lucha Brothers and uh, Swerve and Our Glory is always going to have a fantastic match. Uh, but the, the claim come out, cut a little bit of promo, hyping up their match next week. Now, who wins? I mean, I think you just put on the acclaim. Like, I know their gimmick is very kooky, but it, it's over. And I don't really know what Swerve and Lee are are doing. Like their their title win to begin with was kind of odd because we all thought, oh, okay, Young Bucks versus FTR all out. It's gonna be fantastic. FTR is gonna collect all the belts. They're the most over babyface tag team we've seen in AEW. And then that didn't happen. And then now FTR is just teaming with Wardlow and Dax is wrestling singles for the ROH title for whatever reason. I mean, I understand there might be some backstage issues with FTR, but I mean, they were, they're, they're so talented and they were so over early in the year, like coming at double or nothing, 
you know, the baby face or even like before, I forget like the exact timing, but I mean, their baby face run, the Dax, you know, fight like an eight year old girl line and before the Briscoes match was just fantastic. And like, settle your differences and fucking let's make some money and have some good matches and tell some good stories in the tag team division. Like I get it. Dax is talented as a singles guy, but they're much better utilizes of tag team facing off for those titles. I mean, they have a bazillion titles around their waist, but yet they're not facing for the title that's in their own company. Like make it make sense to me, but whatever. Uh, Serena Deeb and Britt Baker, Take on Tony Storm and Athena. Deeb and Baker get the win after uh, Tony gets hit with a chair. Um, gee, I'm terrible. I forgot her name on the uh, bullet cast as well. Sorry, the uh, <clears throat> the other podcast. Uh, Jamie Hayter comes out and uh, takes the the chair away from Britt. Oh, it's a swerve, bro. And then she hits Tony Storm, but yet Britt and uh, Hayter are... Still going at it, so I guess they're continuing on with that feud, but they're still heels. I don't know. Uh, then in the main event, Chris Jericho takes on Brian Danielson for the uh, semifinals of the World Championship Tournament. Danielson gets the win here. Just a solid, hard-hitting match between these two guys, and I like the seed planted earlier where uh, they said Danielson has never beaten Jericho before. Danielson's able to beat Jericho this time. This sets up Danielson and Moxley for the title. BCC to main event Arthur Ashe next week. I am excited. Um, Moxley has just been on fire recently. Danielson finally getting like his shot. At, or I mean, he's had a shot at the title, but, you know, having this really prominent shot at the title. And I've kind of gone back and forth on who I think should win. Uh, you, you guys know how high I am on Moxley. And Brian's one of the my favorite wrestlers ever. And I think you go with Brian. Like, I, I know Moxley has been hitting a stride. Uh, rumor was that he, or he even said it, that he was supposed to be on vacation. So I think you have Moxley lose here, have Danielson go over. He can be the champion. Moxley can go off, have his vacation, you know, with Renee and the kid, get his mentals right. And Danielson can finally, like, have a solid storyline championship run to really chew on. Um, on the other podcast, we talked about someone asked a question like, what's going on with Danielson? Like, why isn't why is he kind of cooled off? And I think it does go back to last year when he kind of turned pseudo heel facing off against Kenny Omega and uh, Hangman Page. So I, I I think that does have an issue with it. But also, if you kind of look back at what he's doing, what he's done in AEW the past year, he really hasn't had like a f- nice fleshed out storyline where Danielson can be like in a really good story. He's just, you know, been a good wrestler, had good wrestling matches. Like he had the kind of, he had the story with Eddie Kingston did the anarchy in the arena match with, you know, Blackpool combat club. He did the stuff with John Moxley, but then that's also like a pseudo heel and Danielson taking on the really baby over baby or, you know, baby face at the time. Moxley, he wasn't as over as he is right now, but I think putting the title on Danielson is the right move here. He can finally like get something to chew on. He can really go back to that champion wrestler that he that he is, that he can be. I don't know what you do. I mean, just if you just take the easy match right now with MJF and Danielson, whether you 
bleed that out until full gear, which it is in New Jersey, right? It's either New Jersey or New York. Something it's it's on the East Coast. It's in the Northeast. MJF is going to be super over. Danielson's going to be in enemy territory. Whether that's where MJF wins it or not, it's I think. And as I said, I think MJF hasn't had anything to to chew on since coming back. And so you have you know Danielson and MJF. Danielson can definitely hold his own on the mic. We know what MJF can do. Now, I think it's in November is when the pay-per-view is, so I don't know if they can really stretch out that long. I know we have the Daniel Garcia stuff in the middle, so maybe MJF goes after Garcia or whatever. I don't know. But I think put the title on Danielson. You can have a fantastic thing with MJF or whoever other little side characters you want Danielson to face on the way there. And I think this is a great way to build up Danielson and kind of get him back on track after he's kind of, you know, the injury didn't help and the heel-ish run hasn't exactly, I think, been the best thing for him, but he likes playing a heel. He just likes to go out there and wrestle, but I think his best best utilizing Danielson is as a baby face and having him like fighting for something, not just going out there to have a good match. So we'll, we'll see. We'll come back next week. We got the big Arthur Ashe show. We got week two of the NFL. Oh, and hopefully Dominic comes back. Who knows? Who knows? Because we all know this was kind of a shit show. I don't even know how long we went. Let's see. How long did we go? I don't know. Let's see. I texted asking for Mr. X's questions. I think it went about an hour and a half. So not exactly like super duper long. I may or may not have hit pause a couple times during this or I can cough and drink. And let's see if you guys can figure out when that was. Hopefully I kind of edit it and splice it together enough where you couldn't tell. But now the cat's out of the bag. So thank you guys very much for tuning in. If you'd like to be a part of the podcast, send in questions via Instagram or Twitter, Curveballs and CS. I want to send an email, curveballandcs at gmo.com. Thank you guys very much. Enjoy your weekend. Goodbye and good night. Uh, uh, bye bye.